In the summer of 1776, the Second Continental Congress was meeting in Philadelphia at the Pennsylvania State House, later called Independence Hall. On June 7th, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia stood and he read his resolution. He said, resolved that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state be of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. That was a resolution he proposed. The die was cast, and on June 11, 1776, a committee was formed with the express purpose of drafting a document that would formally sever the ties of the colonies with Great Britain. The committee included Thomas Jefferson of Virginia, Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania, John Adams of Massachusetts, Roger Sherman of Connecticut, and Robert R. Livingstone of New York. On July 1st, Congress reconvened, and the following day, the Lee Resolution for Independence was adopted by 12 of the 13 colonies. So immediately, Congress began to consider the declaration drawn up by the committee. And then late in the afternoon of July 4th, 1776, the document known as the Declaration of Independence was officially adopted as church bells rang out over Philadelphia. On August the 2nd, the Declaration of Independence, written on a sheet of parchment measuring 24 and a half by 29 and 3 quarters inches, was signed by all the delegates in attendance, the first being John Hancock, the president of the Congress. He used a bold signature centered below the text, and in accordance to the prevailing custom, the other delegates began to sign at the right below the text their signatures, arranged according to the geographical location of the states that they represented. New Hampshire, the northernmost state, being, uh, began the list, and Georgia, the southernmost, ended it. That document, the Declaration of Independence, has become one of our nation's most cherished symbols of liberty. Yesterday, on July 4th, we as Americans celebrated Independence Day, and this year we as a nation, we celebrate 239 years of independence and freedom, and as Americans, we have much to be thankful for, and we have much to celebrate. Could I get an amen to that? Just like you, I'm thankful and proud to be an American. I love this country. I love America, and I am grateful to be an American. But I'm assuming, much like you, I don't love everything about America. I love what this nation has stood for, but I also share the concerns over what this nation is becoming. Many of the politicians of our country can disappoint me. The political correctness trend and mindset of our country disgusts me at times. Many decisions of the Supreme Court distress me, and the moral decline of our country certainly disturbs me. America has its problems and serious problems at that, at that, and yet in spite of it all, I still can stand here and say, I love America and I love this country. When it comes to the American flag, I not only am proud to stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance, but I also say with H.C. Bunner who said, off with your hat as the flag goes by. Let the heart have its say. You're man enough for a tear in your eye that you will never wipe away. Lift up the boy on your shoulder high and show him the faded shred. Those stripes would be red as the sunset sky if death could have dyed them red. Off with your hat as the flag goes by. Uncover the youngster's head. Teach him to hold it holy and high for the sake of its sacred dead. I'm proud to be an American and I'm proud of our flag. 
But today, I not only want to focus on our national freedom and give thanks for our national freedom, but there's no way that we can, in a Christian service, go without giving appropriate place for and celebrating the personal freedom that we have as individuals. How many of you know that you can live in the nation that is free and still be the most bound up, enslaved, entrapped person in bondage on the entire planet? It can happen. It's one thing to live in a nation where there's freedom, but it's quite another thing to actually live in freedom. Can you agree with that this morning? So I want you to turn with me for just a moment. I'm, I'm mindful of the time. Turn with me for just a moment to a familiar passage in John chapter 8, where in the text, Jesus talks about a personal day of independence. Let me read it to you from John chapter 8, starting with verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. Not true. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does not remain forever. So if the Son, capital S, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Chapter 8 has been referred to often as the chapter of, of, of contrasts and conflicts, just broken down very quickly. Verses 1 through 11, Jesus dealt with grace versus law. In verses 12 through 20, he dealt with light versus darkness. In 21 through 30, life versus death. And here in 31 through 47, it's freedom versus bondage. And today we're going to look at this piece of the passage of freedom versus bondage and see what the Lord is saying to us today. Can I just remind you that freedom, true freedom in the hearts of men, that only the Lord can do that in the heart of any man or woman? Amen? So let's take a look at this great well-known passage and discover what it means to truly let freedom ring. Number one, it's the law that discards freedom. Jesus said in verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus is talking here, obviously, about spiritual freedom and spiritual liberty and indicates that there are those who lack this spiritual freedom and liberty. Romans, 8, uh, in, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul speaks of the law of sin and death, and it's the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. It is this law which discards the freedom of which Christ speaks. So who is it that is affected by this law of sin which discards freedom? Well, Jesus says it very clearly. Number one, it's those who are bound by sin. We read in verse 34 of our text today, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Now, I want you to look really carefully at, at this statement of Jesus this morning. He says, of those who commit sin. And the word commit here, if, if you look at it in its original Greek, it's poieo. Poieo, and it speaks of that which is prolonged. In other words, Jesus is not talking about a one-time act of sin, but a, commi a continual committing sin over and over. 
Also notice carefully what Jesus says about committing sin. He says that eventually one is enslaved by their sin. Now, we're all going to look pretty here today, and we're going to be sure nobody you know, knows what's going on inside of our hearts and what's really happening inside of us, but I bet there's more than a few people who understand what it means to be enslaved by sin. And a hush fell across the room. But it's true. Only in your heart can you understand what it really means. Whatever sin it is that has so easily beset you, whatever it is that has caused you, that times it feels like it's bigger than you are. It may be some addiction of some kind. It may be whatever it is that you seem to absolutely be bound by. And that's what Jesus is saying, that we are enslaved by their sin. Jesus spoke of the servant of sin. The word servant speaks of a slave. Jesus was saying that there are those who are slaves to sin. They are in bondage to sin, and they are chained by sin. And that person is not free. They may live in a free country. They may sing the national anthem. They may say the Pledge of Allegiance, but they are not free at all. Those who are bound by sin are also blinded by sin. In verse 32, Jesus spoke of the truth, setting a person free. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But look how they responded. They said, we're Abraham's descendants, and we have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you can say we would become free? Look at the arrogance of the statement. They said that they had never been in bondage to any man. They were saying, our ancestors may have been in bondage while in Egypt, but none of us have ever been in bondage. And then as we saw in verse 34, Jesus explained that he was talking about spiritual bondage. And here's the point. They were in bondage and didn't even realize it. They were not only bound by sin, but they were blinded by their sin. They thought they were free when in reality they were in spiritual slavery. And here's the great tragedy of the whole matter. It's this. People are lost and don't even realize that they are lost. People are slaves to sin and all the time thinking that they are free. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 when he said, blinded by the God of this world. That's what Satan does. He blinds you. And dear one, there are many Christians who have been saved, but they are still bound and blinded by sin. They are bound and blinded by the same old habits The same old addictions and the same vices, the same attitude of the heart, the same crusty spirit can take place within them. And in fact, do you know who the hardest people are to convince that they need to repent of their sin? It's Christians. Oh, you're so energetic today. A lost man man may not repent, but he knows that he needs to. However, the man who fills the pew every Sunday is convinced that he's all right, even though he's still bound by some habit. And I don't need to enumerate that list for you today. Still bound, he's still hung up with some kind of an issue. His eyes go places they should not go. His feet take him, or her feet take them places they need not go. And what is the problem? They are not only bound, but they are blinded. Folks, this is the gospel today that I'm preaching to you. It may not be pleasant, but I'm telling you the truth. You think you're right, but all the while you're living in slavery. So what's the problem? They are bound by sin, and they are blinded by sin. They're walking around with chains on their soul and blinders on their eyes. They have allowed the law of sin to discard the freedom that is available to them through the finished work of Christ. But then there's the life that discovers freedom. The words of Jesus describe how people are slaves to sin, but he also declared how one could be set free. And can I just say, only the Lord can do that. I want you to say that with me. Come on, only. 
Come on, say it again. Only the Lord. Now we've noted Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And in verse 36 he says, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. No one, bless the name of the Lord, no one has to live in sin's bondage. They can be free. So what happens to the life that discovers freedom? Well, number one, it becomes a liberated life. William Barclay, a favorite commentator of mine, said, Sometimes when a man is rebuked for doing something wrong or warned against such a thing, his answer is, Surely I can do what I like with my own life. Surely I can do what I like with my own life. But the point is that the man who sins does not do what he likes. He does what sin likes. He does not do what he likes. He does what sin likes. It is the truth. Not being glib about it this morning. There are those in this room who battle with things that you know it feels bigger than you. It feels like it has enslaved you. It is, it, it's, it's more powerful than you are. It controls you in ways that you cannot believe. You want to be in control, but you are fully aware that this thing that has so easily beset you is what is actually in control. A man can let a habit get such a grip on him he can't break it. He can allow a pleasure to master him so completely that he cannot do without it. He can let some self-indulgence so dominate him that he's powerless to break away from it. He's a slave to the habits, the self-indulgences, the wrong pleasures which have mastered him. And that's exactly the point that Jesus is making. No man who sins, poieo, poieo, no man who sins can ever be said to be free. But notice the words make you free in verses 32 and 36. There's actually one Greek word that means to be liberated or set free from bondage. And Jesus was saying that the life of freedom is the liberated life. And praise God, anyone in this room can be delivered from your sins today and be free from bondage. Can anybody say hallelujah for that today? About the only television program that I watch with much regularity is the ABC show Nightline. It used to be much better than it is today. I liked it better when Ted Koppel was the host. The content was much better, but that's my personal opinion. But I will never forget a scene that I saw one night on Nightline during the Gulf War. Kuwait had been liberated, and Forrest Sawyer was doing a live broadcast from Kuwait talking about the events of the day and, and all, all that had taken place. And he was talking to, to Ted Koppel when all of a sudden some old man <laughs> ran in front of the camera clapping his hands, and over his head he, in his broken English he kept saying, Me free! Me free! Me free! And there was almost something magical about that moment. Because you realize you're watching someone, a human being, living the experience of, for the first time, gaining independence and, and, and what it means to be liberated from chains and, and, and from restrictions and from living in bondage. And I, I couldn't help but let it remind me of, of my own personal independence today. I know that we celebrate as a nation, Independence Day yesterday as a nation, but you know what? You can celebrate your own personal Independence Day, the day the Lord Jesus came into your life and set you free. And oh, dear God, let us never get far away from remembering that there was a day when we were delivered from sin's darkness and its bondage. But hallelujah, because of what Jesus has, he's taken us from darkness into glorious light. We're not what we were, but we're, we're something new in Christ Jesus. And how many are thankful for that today? Bless the name of the Lord. Bondage had broken the chains of sin that had kept us bound. 
And I tell you this, when you remember your person, I, I tell you for me, it was in a, in, in a primary Sunday school class on one of those fold-up wooden benches that you didn't really want to sit on because it might pinch something. But you sat on it anyway, and, and, and it was, that's where I knelt and prayed. I remembered as a child, the first time I recognized I was a sinner. And when I look back upon my personal Independence Day, that's where I look. And I, every time I look, I want to go, me free, me free, me free. Is anybody else in the house free today and thankful for it? Come on, church. This will make you Gaither fans happy, but I couldn't help but quote the, the words that Bill Gaither has written. So long I had searched for life's meaning, enslaved by the world and my greed. But then the door of my prison was opened by love, for the ransom was paid and I was freed. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. And I'm free from the guilt of the past. For I've traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. A life that, that discovers freedom not only becomes a liberated life, but a celebrated life. Twice Jesus described those who had never been set free as servants or slaves. And we've seen how in verse 34 he spoke of the, the servant or the slave of sin. But look at verse 35. The slave, now, catch this with me. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. The slave has no permanent standing in the master's house. Because he's a slave, he can, he can be sold to some other master. Therefore, he does not have a permanent place or standing in the home. But a son? Oh, no, 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 no. That's a different story. Because he's a son, he has a permanent place in the home. And as a son, he enjoys all the privileges of being a son and part of the family. Jesus is telling us that, that those who have been set free not only enjoy a liberated, liberated life, but a celebrated life as well. They are no longer slaves, but, but they're sons. Once you accept the freedom Christ is offering, you no longer have to live in the slave house. Now you live in the father's house. You're no longer a pauper, but now you're a prince. Instead of enduring the burdens of being sin slave, now you enjoy the blessings of being God's son. And finally, I want you to notice that it's the Lord who delivers freedom. The words free indeed in verse 36 actually mean free indeed. It means really free. Say that with me. Really free. Today I am really free. Say it. Come on. I know that there are those who are still bound by sin and blinded by sin, and some of you are struggling and hiding as best you can, whatever it is that you're coping with in the secret of your own heart, struggling with the same old habits and stuff. But guess what? You don't have to be the devil's play toy any longer. You can be free, and not only free, but really free. Free indeed. It's what the Bible calls being free indeed. It's very, very simple. I just remind you that Jesus is the person because the Bible tells us in our text, if the Son, capital S, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, it's Jesus and Jesus only. Only the Lord can do this that sets people free from the burden and the bondage and the blight of sin. Only the Lord can do it. I want to just tell you real quickly, as exciting as, as it is to be at Bethesda Church in this day and time and all the things the Lord's doing, Bethesda Church cannot set you free. The pews you're sitting on cannot set you free. The music in this house cannot set you free. All the programs and all of the things that you're involved in that are nice, good things to do, the humanity, all, all of it, it's good stuff, but it cannot set you free. Only the Lord Jesus can set you free. 
You can't light enough candles to set you free. You can't say enough prayers. You can't twirl enough beads to set you free. There's no social program. Freedom is, is not found in a program. It's found in a person, and the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the person, and not only that, he's not only the person, but Jesus is the one with the power to deliver you from your sin. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Look at what that says to us, just in those two verses right there. It says, Jesus is the Word of God in verse 32, and He's the Son of God in verse 36. He's the only person who can set you free because He's the only one with the power to do it, and only the Lord can do that. Sin may burden you, but Jesus is the burden bearer. Sin may bind, but Jesus is the one who destroys the yoke of bondage. Sin may blind, but Jesus is the one who removes the scales. Sin may entrap, ensnare, entangle, and enslave, but Jesus is the great emancipator. Hallelujah. If you're tired of living in spiritual slavery, if you're tired of struggling with the same old stuff that binds you up, the same old habits, then today let Jesus set you free. In his famous speech, Patrick Henry of Virginia said this, and many of you know it. He said, gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field, Patrick Henry said. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Ladies and gentlemen, the bindings of this life cannot hold you. They cannot hold you. Jesus can deliver you from it. I close with this story. Pastor Brent's going to come. In 1829, George Wilson of Pennsylvania was sentenced to be hanged by a U.S. court for robbery and murder. And yet President Andrew Jackson pardoned him. But Wilson refused the pardon. The courts of our country found itself with a situation that they had never faced before. Should they let him live because he'd been pardoned by the president or go ahead and execute him since he was declining the pardon? He had been pardoned, but he refused the pardon. So the Supreme Court had to settle the matter. Chief Justice John Marshall gave the following decision. He said this, a pardon is a paper the value of which depends upon its acceptance by the person implicated. It is hardly supposed that one under a sentence of death would refuse to accept a pardon. But if it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. And George Wilson was hanged. How tragic. A man's pardon had been signed, sealed, and delivered but to no avail. George Wilson would have rather die than to become a free man. And yet every lost soul in this room, every lost soul on this planet is a George Wilson. Your pardon, just like mine, has been signed, sealed, and delivered. But every time we reject it, we're being hanged by the cords of sin. And so too many Christians have been set free from the penalty of sin, but they're still being hanged by the power of sin. You've been given a pardon through the will, 
the work and the word, but still living on death's row. I don't know about you, church, but I will not be bound by sin. I don't want to be blinded by sin, enslaved by sin, ensnared by sin, entangled with sin, or entrapped by sin. Why would anyone want to be a pauper, living on the devil's scraps when you can be a prince feasting on heavenly manna? Why would anyone want to live like a slave when you can be a son? Why would anyone want to be in jail, live in jail, when they can be a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Why would we live like an orphan when we are a child of the King? Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the King. His royal blood now flows through my veins. And I who was wretched and blind now can sing, praise God, I'm a child of the King. And I am so reminded today, it's not because of anything I've done, but only the Lord could do that. And so therefore, church, on this day, I'm declaring this. Let freedom ring. Let freedom, true freedom, ring. Let freedom ring in your head, in your home, and in your heart. Let freedom ring from the White House to the courthouse, to the schoolhouse, to God's house, to your house. Let freedom ring from the pulpit to the pew. Let freedom ring from the harlot to the heavens. Let freedom ring from the pit to the palace. Let freedom ring from hell's angels to heaven's angels. Let freedom ring from the poorhouse to the penthouse. Let freedom ring from the down and out to the up and out to the in and out to the out and out. Let freedom ring from the center, center to the saint. Because if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Let's stand together, church. Let freedom ring. Close your eyes with me just a moment and bow your heads.